you guys are getting an introduction into my marital communications right now. I, I told Gail, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's oh, that's you, Gail. You, yeah, that's Gail. Hi, and, Gail. And I said, you know, uh, you, you can get, swing in, you know, 7.30-ish. Uh, it's going to be, we're going around till are 9. Are you going to make so your hair appointment? You don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so she's here at 6.30. Like I said, this, this is a window so it's a compromise, the right? lack of communication <laughs> that, I, that I apparently have. I communicate with everybody else, just not okay. my wife. Uh, have you guys seen the forecast for Christmas Eve? If you're going to be traveling, it's looking pretty nice here in Michigan. We're not going to, it's going to be like 53 degrees. We're mm-hmm. not going to have, it's going to be a very green Christmas, uh, but, uh, and, but, but yeah, Lloyd, you, you yeah. aren't going to need those long johns. I won't need them. That I'm going to take you over and fit you for. Listen, those long johns, man. As a kid, boy, I wore those long johns. I remember those uh, days. I don't know if anybody. If, I see if Glenn Stevens and Doug Bernstein know this. We welcome Doug Bernstein from uh, Plunkett Cooney and Glenn Stevens from Mish Auto. Do you guys know the the long john capital of Michigan? I don't, and as a youper, I feel like I should know that. Yeah, the city of Cedar Springs, north of Grand Rapids, used to be home to where you would, they made the red union suit, the red long johns, with the drop seat in back. Oh, (laughs) got to have the drop seat. The drop seat. It was kind of a staple for working class uh, folks at the time. (laughs) Yeah. And I got accused of having a mind full of useless information. Well, you should sit in our morning show. Oh, yeah. Guy Google. Uh, Guy Google over here. Yeah. I've got this little piece of Velcro in my brain, and all the useless junk in the world just clings to it. Yeah. Um, We were just talking about – I was talking to Glenn, who's with Ms. Schauder from the Detroit Regional Chamber, and you were there for the groundbreaking of this for the Center for Innovation. Just an exciting time. I don't know – it's – it's one of those stories you should look at. I don't know that if people really grasp how important this sh- will be. And 10 years from now, we'll look back on this moment and say, wow, that was a game changer. It, it was, just like Michigan Central was, just like Tech Town was. I mean, you have three innovation centers, arguably more. And as the Population Commission just demonstrated, there's three things that are really going to lead us. Talent people, innovation and communities and i'll tell you there was a buzz and it was really good to see all the leaders together great day for the state the city and the region and it will be a great center to complement those other ones uh there's a lot going on in detroit right now and what is it glenn do you think it is that has brought these uh centers in the central um uh, the central train station to the city of detroit what is detroit doing that's drawing this kind of uh, uh things that are coming here well, your previous guest couldn't have been a better segue because it's the Startup Nation folks, right? And new ideas, new generation of ideas, that's what built Detroit. I mean, the industries were built on people with new ideas, and that's happening again. And so that confluence of talent and community and innovation is really what's making I mean, you've been to Corktown lately. Mm-hmm. I was at the Godfrey the other night. I mean, it's incredible. And mm-hmm. sat in Canal downtown, and I... I think there's a buzz there and across the state. I'm speaking of winter. I'm heading to Marquette this afternoon, so we'll see what the weather's like up there. And it's all over the state. It's not just Detroit. Oh, safe travels, friend. Thanks. Uh, that's back that's, home. That, it, yeah, it is back home. And I'm sure I'm sure you know every fence post along that, that route. Yes. Oh, but that's still a heck of a, a, a drive. Can we have another gallon of coffee for Mr. <laughs> Stevens, please? Um, Doug, you, uh, you know, we talk about great institutions in Detroit and with the growth of Detroit. We also want to cling to the old traditions, too. You're a big fan of the boat races what's the status of that uh, 
if all goes well, the unlimited hydroplanes will be back in Detroit August 24th and 25th. Oh, right. We need sponsors. We're on the schedule. It's been a big effort trying to keep this thing alive. Um, having run the series in 2017, I know what a challenge it is and how expensive it is, but Detroiters are really passionate about that event, and it's been in Detroit since 1916. And if we are able to bring it back, um, I think the demand will be terrific. But we've been in talks for the past several years, and we finally have a path forward. But as always, takes money. Mm. Yeah. I did stories on that, and they put me in a boat before and took me around. It's it's very impressive, somewhat scary, but it's fun to look at. And the cup, isn't the cup one of the oldest cups you could win? It is the oldest motorsports trophy in the world. Yes. We've got to keep and, it going. And I remember, Jamie, yeah. when when we put you in an inflatable, and I know you don't talk to Bruce Mahdi anymore because of that. So <laughs> do, do you refer to the Indy trophy as little brother? Uh <laughs> we all have our place. <laughs> we should also point out that Doug is probably one of the most passionate uh, Wolverine fans out there. You, you, you ready for Pasadena? Uh, I'll be leaving Saturday morning, a, a week from Saturday. Um, I just completed my 46th year of having season tickets. I've oh, missed wow. a handful of home games, and my odometer is not turning back, so, you know. We got to get it done. Do you think this is the year they at least advance through the semifinal? Uh, they have a chance. Yeah. Uh, you know, to me, uh, out of the four teams, they're the ones that play defense. Mm. There you go. Yeah, so, Heard how worried here. are you about Alabama? Let me worry. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's going to be a lot of maize and blue at uh, the Rose Bowl. It, it is, but. This is the first time since I've had my tickets. I couldn't get tickets through Michigan. The demand was so great, mm. which was interesting um, because the ratios were always the same. They always say of 18,000 requests for 12,000 tickets or so, and I was nowhere close to being able to get them through Michigan. So I went online, bought a pair at 480 a ticket for the end zone or the corner of the end zone the next day and I was watching it every day and by Saturday was up to 860 oh, wow. wow so Double. there is tremendous demand Glenn you I mean you're a longtime Michigan guy give, give me your best UP Michigan Christmas memory mm. Well, that's a tough one. Because uh, you experience uh, you experience winter a lot more than we do now. Yeah. I, I think, uh, I mean, I just the street I grew up on. I literally grew up on Michigan Street, of all places, uh, 424 East Michigan Street. And it was just, it was a Norman Rockwell, right? Older, you know, 100-year-old homes, lights, Christmas trees, snow coming down. That's what it looked like. It was definitely pure Michigan. And, of course, I always liked going through Christmas, too. Christmas is between the town of Christmas is between oh, yeah. Munising and Marquette, yep. so it's always nice to go through Christmas on the way to Marquette. You never fly? Never fly. Oh, no. Okay. No. Um, how never. long? How long? Well, I mean, it depends on the weather, and depends on if the bridge is open. I mean, you'll get stuck with the wind sometimes. I can do it seven and a half hours. Was know. it always a white Christmas growing up? It always was a white Christmas, but it, it really was. July could be white, too. <laughs> I mean, I'm not 
not kidding. I've seen snow on some really weird times. You fire up those sparklers to stay warm. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's uh, it's great to have you both here, and you're, you're dear friends of this broadcast and this radio station, and we appreciate you celebrating the holidays with us. Thanks, thank everyone. You. All right. Merry Christmas. And Merry, Merry Christmas, Christmas and a Happy Christmas. New Year to both of you. By the way, we want to thanks, uh, uh, send out thanks to Sherm's Candy for providing everyone with a bag of their, these are pure Michigan wealth, sour Michigummies. They well, I love sour anything, so yes. Gummer, yeah, they are gummies in the shape of, of, of both peninsulas. Uh, they, don't, they didn't forget the UP, Glenn. Okay. Uh, Sherm's Candy is a Michigan-based company that specializes in just awesome-tasting candy in the shape of Michigan, and their products include Michigummies, chocolate Michigummies, sour Michigamins, and the brand-new strawberry-flavored Minis. Find a retail location near you and order direct at Sherm's, that's with a U, S-H-U-R-M-S, candy.com. More from Startup Nation as we celebrate the holidays on JR Morning. Welcome back to Startup Nation. Ten to the hour. Uh, as we said, they're looking. The forecast is going to be kind to us uh, over the Christmas holiday. If you're going to be traveling and uh, talk to Glenn Stevens, can you imagine a seven and a half hour drive home every time? Wow, no. working down here. <laughs> Mine's four and a half to Pittsburghish. Four and a yeah. half. Yeah, yeah. But sometimes you just need that time to just kind of. You know, very true. And just, Glenn loves driving. Yeah. And this is what uh, this is what JR podcasts are for. Right? Exactly. There you go. The great voice. Take the great voice with you, even as that, that 50,000 watt mother of all signals begins to, to fade, fade. That's right. Uh, somewhere around Houghton Lake. Uh, that will uh, that will stay with you. Uh, we welcome in one of our dear friends who has provided us with so much uh, legal wisdom over the past year. Uh, Todd Flood, attorney and managing partner at Flood Law. Merry Christmas Merry to you Christmas. and yours. Thank you so much. And the same to all of you. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah. It's nice to see you in person. Yes. Now, <laughs> face with the name. Yeah, now. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's always been a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. And you're too, you're too kind. So, And I love the new show. I love the three of you. It's, it's awesome you. to listen to the three of you. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah. It's, uh, it's kind of a love fest every morning. You know, you better, if you're going to get up this early in the morning, you better like the people that you work uh, with. Yeah. yeah. yeah right? That's, and, and that makes it easy. That could be a bad gig. Yeah. <laughs> huh? Think about it's that. Yeah. Well, you know there, what I'm saying? There have been some notable feuds yeah. in this business <laughs> over the years. Yes, they have. Yeah. 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 But, uh, does, does it ever slow down for you? No, it doesn't. As, as, uh, time comes, uh, you know, on this journey of practicing law, I think it's just getting busier and busier and busier. And, and unfortunately, uh, there's this basic uh, collision in the middle because we had the pandemic. A lot of courts got backed up, right? And now we got to jam in. Trials and courts are working there. Took us as off to try to get as much in as possible. Um, and then you have the new cases that are mm. coming in, right? So it, it's, it's frustrating at times, but we'll get through it. Um, it but right now, it's just insanely busy um are people just mad too yeah they're just mad at each other and just kind of well you know it's really litigious you know at this point (laughs) it depends on what kind of law you practice but yes uh there there clearly there's a lot of uh, things on the landscape um i was just looking at we talked about it uh, not too long ago um with the, the archdiocese and the statute of limitations and older older rape cases the new statute that comes in play now you look at our United States Supreme Court. Look at all the things that are going on there um, with Trump and the like. So, you know, I, I don't know if people are mad, but I definitely think there's a lot of interesting issues on the on the horizon here. Mm-hmm. 
a lot has changed since the pandemic in our lives. My husband tells me that when it's a civil case, they're still just doing Zoom. So even the legal profession has changed since the pandemic and people are home more. I think um, it's become more efficient in certain ways. We do Zoom hearings for things that uh, are remedial or you don't necessarily need to drive. You save clients a lot of time because you could do two or three Zooms in different circuit courts. But when you're doing an evidentiary hearing, you have evidence or you're doing a jury trial, you got to be there in front of the jury. So I think they've come up with this hybrid where um, you can do and be in three different circuit courts. Like arraignments. Right, arraignments. You can be up and... Does that mean you can double and triple bill? Well, that's what saves you. That's what saves you, right? You have less, less windshield time, right? So you were just talking about that six-hour drive, right? Go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm saving you some money. Um, not, a bad, not a bad feature, yeah. right? Uh, but it's, it's, uh, it's, it is more efficient, I think, in several ways. Uh, but you still have to be in front of a jury. And think about it. When you're questioning a witness... One of the jury instructions says, how was the posture of the witness? Did he, you know, move in his chair? Did he take mm -hmm. a long time to answer? Mm -hmm. Zoom, you're not getting that. You're not getting that right. kind of feedback. Mm -hmm. The nuance. Right, yeah. right. So it's interesting. I, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you. You mentioned the Supreme Court. They've, you know, but we haven't heard yet whether they're going to take up the Colorado case. They also have the Trump immunity case. I guess Trump's lawyers have now filed saying, yeah, you don't need to do that so fast. Right. <laughs> they would like to have that adjudicated <laughs> after the election when, when uh, perhaps a Trump Justice Department could call off the hounds. But what, as you look at this, this 14th Amendment case, um, it's, it's so untested and untried. I don't think we've seen it since 1916. Um, what do you think about it? Well, I think uh, two thoughts. I was just talking to Lloyd about this earlier. Um, you know, if you're a strict scrutiny guy where you just – you're a textualist, right? You're, you're a Scalia, Justice Scalia reader of the right. law. Mm -hmm. Justice Scalia is going to tell you, guy, uh, this is what the law says. Uh, here's the only interpretation you can have, and the Supreme Court in Colorado got it right. Now, here we had uh, – now, mind you, they had a hearing. They had witnesses testify. They got it all the way up, and there was clear and convincing evidence that – this insurrection he was part of and made that happen. That's all you need. You, you need to, ha you need to be able to establish by that, that standard, right? It's self-executing, and I think a lot of people don't know what that means. Yeah. So when you ultimately um, pose this insurrection, right, there has to be some proof, some modicum of proof. We say it clear and convincing evidence. So the, the lawsuits took place. The witnesses got up on the stand, and you're absolutely right. So – I think uh, Michigan uh, decided, hey, Trump stays on the ballot. That's going to go up to the Supreme. I think with so many different states having different opinions, yeah. the Supreme Court of the United States has got to hear this case. Yeah. And it's, it's going to be heavy. It's, it's never been in front of the United States Supreme Court. So this is a big, big deal. I think one of the biggest in our country, especially since Trump, it looks like the landslide leader for the Republican Party. They can uh, redefine democracy with this decision. Absolutely. Do you think it'll be uh, unanimous? I don't. I don't think it will be unanimous. I don't. You know, the political side of this whole thing is people are going to say, hey, listen, this is too much uh, on the fray, and it's a disruption. The people have to vote. The court shouldn't vote. The people should vote on who the next president is. And that's how I think it's going to kind of come up. 
you don't want to disenfranchise the 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 voters, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Right. And if the right. Republican, you know, if that's their nominee, that's who you want to put on the ballot. So I think it's going to fall uh, along political lines, just to say the truth. All right. Todd, yeah. have a Merry Christmas and a wonderful new year. We look forward to future encounters. God bless everyone. Thank you so much. Merry Christmas. You guys are getting an introduction into my marital communications right now. I, I told Gail, yeah, it's, it's oh, that's Gail. You know, yeah, that's Gail. Hi, and, Gail. And I said, you know, uh, you, you can get, swing in, you know, 730-ish. Uh, it's going to be, we're going around till are 9. Are you going to make so your hair appointment? You don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so she's here at 630. Exactly. So this is a window so compromise, the right? lack of communication <laughs> that, I, that I apparently have. I communicate with everybody else just now, okay. my wife. Uh, have you guys seen the forecast for Christmas Eve? If you're going to be traveling, it's looking pretty nice here in Michigan. We're not going to, it's going to be like 53 degrees. We're mm -hmm. not going to have, it's going to be a very green Christmas. Uh, but, uh, and, but, but, yeah, Lloyd, you, you yeah. aren't going to need those long johns. I won't need them. That I'm going to take you over and fit you for. Listen, those long johns, man, as a kid, boy, I wore those long johns. I remember those uh, days. I don't know if anybody, if, I see if Glenn Stevens and Doug Bernstein know this. We welcome Doug Bernstein from uh, Plunkett Cooney and Glenn Stevens from Mish Auto. Do you guys know the, the long john capital of Michigan? I don't, and as a youper, <laughs> I feel like I should know that. Yeah, the city of Cedar Springs, north Cedar of Springs. Grand Rapids, okay. used to be home to where you would, they made the red union suit, the red long johns, mm. oh, with wow. the drop seat in back. Oh, <laughs> gotta know, have the drop seat. The drop seat. That was kind yeah. of a staple for working class uh, folks at the time. <laughs> yeah. And I got accused of having a mind full of useless information. <laughs> Well, you should sit in our morning show. Oh, yeah. Guy Google. Uh, Guy Google over here. Yeah, I've got a, this little piece of Velcro in my brain, and all the useless <laughs> junk in the world Sticks. just clings to it. Yeah. Um, we were just talking about – I was talking to Glenn, who's with Ms. Schauder from the Detroit Regional Chamber, and you were there for the groundbreaking of this for the Center for Innovation. It, just an exciting time. I don't know it, – it's – it's one of those stories you should look at. I don't know that if people really grasp how important this sh will be. And 10 years from now, we'll look back on this moment and say, wow, that was a game changer. It, it was, just like Michigan Central was, just like Tech Town was. I mean, you have three innovation centers, arguably more. And as the Population Commission just demonstrated, there's three things that are really going to lead us. Talent people, innovation and communities and i'll tell you there was a buzz and it was really good to see all the leaders together great day for the state the city and the region and it will be a great center to complement those other ones uh there's a lot going on in detroit right now and, and what is it glenn do you think it is that has brought these uh centers in the central um uh, the central train station to the city of detroit what is detroit doing that's drawing this kind of uh, uh things that are coming here well, your previous guest couldn't have been a better segue because it's the Startup Nation folks, right? And new ideas, new generation of ideas, that's what built Detroit. I mean, the industries were built on people with new ideas, and that's happening again. And so that confluence of talent and community and innovation is really what's making it. I mean, you've been to Corktown lately. Mm -hmm. I was at the Godfrey the other night. I mean, it's incredible. And mm -hmm. sat in Canal downtown, and I... I think there's a buzz there and across the state. I'm speaking of winter, 
I'm heading to Marquette this afternoon, so we'll see what the weather's like up there. And it's all over the state. It's not just Detroit. Oh, safe travels, friend. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, that's back that's, home. That, it, yeah, <laughs> it is back home. And I'm sure I'm sure you know every fence post along that, that route. Yes. Oh, that's still a heck of a, a, a drive. Can we have another gallon of coffee for Mr. <laughs> Stevens, please? Um, Doug, you, uh, you know, we talk about great institutions in Detroit and with the growth of Detroit. We also want to cling to the old traditions, too. You're a big fan of the boat races what's the status of that uh, if all goes well the unlimited hydroplanes will be back in detroit august 24th and 25th right. we need sponsors we're on the schedule it's been a big effort trying to keep this thing alive um, having run the series in 2017 i know what a challenge it is and how expensive it is but Detroiters are really passionate about that event, and it's been in Detroit since 1916. And if we are able to bring it back, um, I think the demand will be terrific. But we've been in talks for the past several years, and we finally have a path forward. But as always, it takes money. Mm. Yeah. I did stories on that, and they put me in a boat before and took me around. It's it's very impressive, somewhat scary, but it's fun to look <laughs> at. And the cup, isn't the cup one of the oldest cups you could win? It is the oldest motorsports trophy in the world. Yes. We've got to keep and, it going. And I remember, Jamie, yeah. when when we put you in an inflatable, and I know you don't talk to Bruce Motti anymore because of that. <laughs> so do, do you refer to the Indy trophy as little brother? Uh we all have our place. <laughs> we should also point out that Doug is probably one of the most passionate uh, Wolverine fans out there. You you, you ready for Pasadena? Uh, I'll be leaving Saturday morning, a, a week from Saturday. Um, I just completed my 46th year of having season tickets. I've oh, missed wow. a handful of home games, and my odometer is not turning back. So, you know. We got to get it done. Do you think this is the year they at least advance through the semifinal? Uh, they have a chance. Yeah. Uh, you know, to me, uh, out of the four teams, they're the ones that play defense. Mm. There you go. Yeah, so, Heard how worried here. are you about Alabama? Let me worry. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's going to be a lot of maize and blue at uh, the Rose Bowl. It, it is, but. This is the first time since I've had my tickets. I couldn't get tickets through Michigan. The demand was so great, mm. which was interesting um, because the ratios were always the same. They always say of 18,000 requests for 12,000 tickets or so, and I was nowhere close to being able to get them through Michigan. So I went online, bought a pair at 480 a ticket for the end zone or the corner of the end zone the next day and i was watching it every day and by saturday was up to 860. Oh, wow, wow. so there is tremendous demand glenn you i mean you're a longtime michigan guy give, give me your best up michigan christmas memory mm. Boy, that's a tough one. Because uh, you experience uh, you experience winter a lot more than we do down yeah, here. Yeah. I I think uh, I mean I just the street I grew up on. I literally grew up on Michigan Street, of all places, uh, four two four East Michigan Street, and it was just it was a Norman Rockwell, right? Older, you know, hundred year old homes, lights, Christmas trees, snow coming down. That's what it looked like. It was definitely pure Michigan, and of course I always liked going through Christmas too. 
Christmas is between the town of Christmas is between oh, yeah. Munising and Marquette, yep. so it's always nice to go through Christmas on the way to Marquette. You never fly? Never fly. No. Okay. No. Um, how never. long? How long? Well, I mean, it depends on the weather and depends on if the bridge is open. I mean, you'll get stuck with the wind sometimes. I can do it seven and a half hours. Was know. it always a white Christmas growing up? It always was a white Christmas, but it, it really was. It, July could be white, too. <laughs> I mean, I'm not kidding. I've seen snow on some really weird times. You time. fire up those sparklers to stay warm. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's uh, it's great to have you both here, and you're, you're dear friends of this broadcast and this radio station. We appreciate you celebrating the holidays with us. Thanks, thank everyone. You. All right. Merry Christmas. And Merry, Merry Christmas, Christmas and Happy Christmas. New Year to both of you. By the way, we want to thank... Uh, I send out thanks to Sherm's Candy for providing everyone with a bag of their. These are pure Michigan well sour Michigummies. They well, are I love sour anything. So yes, gummer. Yeah, they are gummies in the shape of of, of both peninsulas. Uh, they don't. They didn't forget the UP, Glenn. Okay. Uh, Sherm's Candy is a Michigan-based company that specializes in just awesome tasting candy in the shape of Michigan, and their products include Michigummies, chocolate Michigummies, sour Michigan cinnamons, and the brand new strawberry flavored. Misha Minis. Find a retail location near you and order direct at Sherm's, that's with a U, S-H-U-R-M-S, candy.com. More from Startup Nation as we celebrate the holidays on JR Morning. Welcome back to Startup Nation, 10 to the hour. Uh, as we said, they're looking, the forecast is going to be kind to us uh, over the Christmas holiday if you're going to be traveling and uh, talk to Glenn Stevens. Can you imagine a seven and a half hour drive home every time? Wow, working no. down here. <laughs> Mine's four and a half to Pittsburghish. Four and a yeah. half. Yeah, yeah. But sometimes you just need that time to just kind of, you know. Very true. And just, Glenn loves driving. Yeah. And this is what uh, <laughs> this is what JR podcasts are for. Right? Exactly. There you go. Listen the great voice. The, you can take the great voice with you, even as that uh, that fifty thousand watt mother of all signals begins to, to fade, fade. That's right. Uh, somewhere around Houghton Lake. Uh, that will uh, that will stay with you. Uh, we welcome in one of our dear friends who has provided us with so much uh, legal wisdom over the past year, uh, Todd Flood, attorney and managing partner at Flood Law. Merry Christmas Merry to you Christmas. and yours. Thank you so much, and the same to all of you. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah. It's nice to see you in person. Yes. Now, <laughs> face with the name. Yeah, now. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, it's always been a pleasure, and thanks for having me on. And you're too, you're too kind. So. And I love the new show. I love the three of you. It's it's Thank awesome you. to listen to three of you. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah. It's uh, it's kind of a love fest every morning. You know, you better if you're going to get up this early in the morning, you better like the people that you work uh, with. Yeah. yeah. yeah right? That's and and that makes it easy. That could be a bad gig. Yeah. <laughs> huh? Think about that. Yeah. Well, you know what I'm saying. There have been some notable feuds yeah. in this business over the yes, years. Yes, they have. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, does does it ever slow down for you? No. It doesn't. As as uh, time comes, uh, you know, on this journey of practicing law, I think it's just getting busier and busier and busier. And, and unfortunately, uh, there's this basic uh, collision in the middle because we had the pandemic. A lot of courts got backed up, right? And now we got to jam in. Trials and courts are working there. Took us as off to try to get as much in as possible. Um, and then you have the new cases that are mm. coming in. Right, so it, it's it's frustrating at times, but we'll get through it. Um, it but right now, it's just insanely busy. Uh, Are people just street. mad too? Yeah, they're yeah. just mad at each other and just kind of well, it, you know, it really on, litigious. You know, at this point, <laughs> it depends on what kind of law you practice. But yes, uh, they're they're 
clearly there's a lot of uh, things on the landscape. Um, I was just looking at, we talked about it uh, not too long ago, um, with the the archdiocese and the statute of limitations and older older rape cases, the new statute that comes in play. Now you look at our United States Supreme Court, look at all the things that are going on there um, with Trump and the like. So, no, I, I don't know if people are mad. But I definitely think there's a lot of interesting issues on the on the horizon here. Mm-hmm. A lot has changed since the pandemic in our lives. My husband tells me that when it's a civil case, they're still just doing Zoom. So even the legal profession has changed since the pandemic and people are home more. I think um, it's become more efficient in certain ways. We do Zoom hearings for things that uh, are remedial or you don't necessarily need to drive. You save clients a lot of time because you could do two or three Zooms in different circuit courts. But when you're doing an evidentiary hearing, you have evidence, or you're doing a jury trial, you've got to be there in front of the jury. So I think they've come up with this hybrid where um, you can do and be in three different circuit courts. Like arraignments. Right, arraignments. You can be up and – Does that mean you can double and triple bill? Well, that's what <laughs> saves you. That's what saves you, right? You have less, less windshield time, right? So you, you were just talking about that six-hour drive, there you right? Go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm saving you some money. Um, not, a bad, not a bad feature, yeah. right? Uh, but it's, it's, uh, it's, it is more efficient, I think, in several ways. Uh, but you still have to be in front of a jury. And think about it. When you're questioning a witness, one of the jury instructions says, how was the posture of the witness? Did he, you know – Move in his chair. Did he take mm-hmm. a long time to answer? Mm-hmm. Zoom, you're not getting that. You're not getting that right. kind of feedback. The nuance. Right, yeah. right. So it's interesting. I, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you. You mentioned the Supreme Court. They've, you know, but we haven't heard yet whether they're going to take up the Colorado case. They also have the Trump immunity case. I guess Trump's lawyers have now filed saying, yeah, you don't need to do that so fast. Right. <laughs> they would like to have that adjudicated <laughs> after the election when – when uh, perhaps a Trump Justice Department could call off the hounds. But what, as you look at this, this 14th Amendment case, um, it's, it's so untested and untried. I don't think we've seen it since 1916. Um, what do you think about it? Well, I think uh, two thoughts. I was just talking to Lloyd about this earlier. Um, you know, if you're a strict scrutiny guy where you just – you're a textualist, right? You're, you're a Scalia, Justice Scalia reader of the right. law. Mm-hmm. Justice Scalia is going to tell you, guy – uh, this is what the law says. Uh, here's the only interpretation you can have, and the Supreme Court in Colorado got it right. Now, here we had uh, – now, mind you, they had a hearing. They had witnesses testify. They got it all the way up, and there was clear and convincing evidence that this insurrection he was part of and made that happen. That's all you need. You, you need to ha- you need to because be able to establish by that that standard, right? It's self-executing, and I think a lot of people don't know what that means. Yeah. So when you ultimately um, pose this insurrection, right, there has to be some proof, some modicum of proof. We say it clear and convincing evidence. So the the lawsuits took place. The witnesses got up on the stand, and you're absolutely right. So I think uh, Michigan. Uh, decided, hey, Trump stays on the ballot. That's going to go up to the Supreme. I think with so many different states having different opinions, yeah. the Supreme Court of the United States has got to hear this case. Yeah. And it's it's going to be heavy. It's it's never been in front of the United States Supreme Court. So this is a big, big deal. I think one of the biggest in our country, especially since Trump, it looks like the landslide leader 
for the Republican Party. They can uh, redefine democracy with this decision. Absolutely. Do you think it'll be uh, unanimous? I don't. I don't think it will be unanimous. I don't. You know, the political side of this whole thing is people are going to say, hey, listen, this is – too much uh, on the fray, and it's a disruption. The people have to vote. The court shouldn't vote. The people should vote on who the next president is, and that's how I think it's going to kind of come up. It, it, you don't want to disenfranchise the 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 voters, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Right. And if the right. Republican, you know, if that's their nominee, that's who you want to put on the ballot. So I think it's going to fall uh, along political lines, just to say the truth. All right. Todd, have a Merry Christmas and a wonderful new year. We look forward to future encounters. God bless everyone. Thank you so much. Merry Christmas. Oh, my goodness. They've broken out the mulled wine. Oh, my goodness. Here. Is that um, a warm hug? It's a party. It's yeah. a warm hug. Excuse me. I <laughs> Renee it's says it's a hug and a kiss. <laughs> <laughs> It's and, really good. And good a kick morning. in your candy cane pants too. <laughs> yes. That's uh, that'll wake you up in the morning, and uh, I'm I'm glad we won't be driving away from here for another few hours. Right. Um, we welcome you in to our holiday party here on JR Morning, a celebration of the holidays. Certainly, a chance to get together with good friends, uh, both uh, professional and business and uh, to celebrate the holidays but also uh, what we're doing here on jr morning and we're glad that you're a part of it every morning from six until nine um got some bad news this morning uh that kenny calvert uh, yeah one of our one of our mount rushmore voices <coughs> passed away at the age of 72 and annie we just were sending our love your way and giving you the a, a big big hug uh this morning um ken was just one of the greatest guys and uh, Got to know him well when he was at Riff because we were on the same property there at Channel Seven, and then and he was uh, part of the Jr. family as well. It's, well, did afternoons, yeah. and uh, for those of you that, that didn't may not know Kenny's name because he's been gone from the scene for about ten years. This is what he sounded like. This is a voice you probably know. Jason, would you hit that clip for me? It's uh, Superstation 760 WJR, Ken Calvert around until 3 o'clock, Dr. Laura at 3. Yeah, and that was Ken uh, in Dr. his stint Laura. in the afternoons. But Riff, Wheels, W4, um, he uh, was a Brother Rice grad, came out of Oakland Community College and, uh, and started as a, an overnight guy at, at W4. And uh, Don Schuster will be here a little bit later on. And Don was the first program director. To give him a job, right? Gave, gave him his first job yeah. in Detroit radio. But he, uh, during the heyday of rock radio and in this town, both Ken and his alter ego when he played oldies, Chuck Roast, oh. uh, you know, uh, just kept the rock history alive. Well, we have uh, been benefiting from the wisdom of our next guest for, oh, the better part. I mean, going back to my early days here at WJR in 2017, Matthew Schneider, former U.S. attorney uh, for the Eastern District of Michigan, now leader of investigations in white-collar defense practice in Honigman Law. Good morning. Good morning, and it's great to see everyone to see here you. in person. And candy cane pants, guy, those are fabulous. Those should be worn all summer long. <laughs> I, I agree. I agree. Unfortunately, they're corduroy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, could, I, I am my own one-man band when I'm walking down the street. Boom, boom. Boom, boom. Well, everybody notices, that's for sure. <laughs> that's, that's right. I have my own rhythm section. Oh, my goodness. Uh, these are fraught times uh, these days in the legal profession. We're awaiting this thing from the Supreme Court that could 
redefine democracy and, and what role the judiciary will play and whether or not someone gets on the ballot determining the outcome of elections instead of voters, man. Sure. It, it's interesting if you think about this in context. Remember back in 2000 when we had Bush v. Gore and everyone was, oh, my goodness, the U.S. Supreme Court is deciding the election. This is unbelievable. It's never happened before. Let's look ahead at 2024. This could happen twice, right? First, we have this case involving Trump and whether or not he's immune from prosecution. That could influence the election. Now we have this Colorado case as to whether or not he can even be on the ballot. So effectively, we could be having two Bush v. Gores in 2024. This is going to be one of the most interesting legal years that we've seen in a generation. Matthew, what about the timing for the Colorado case? Because they put a there's a time limit to get him on the ballot. Will the Supreme Court hear it and decide by January 4th, 5th? Not by then, but shortly after that. And they've, they've stayed their ruling. So that's put on hold. They'll take it up in due time, I think. But it's okay. They can adjust some of these schedules. They can make some adjustments. In fact, the Colorado legislature, if they wanted, they could pass laws to change those dates as well. So in, in other states, can, could they do the same thing until this is all solved right and that is precisely the argument of the trump team and his lawyers look if if you do this every state in the union could be deciding i don't want this person on the ballot and their argument is going to be that's not how the founding fathers envisioned it they they didn't consider that but is that accurate because we're talking about insurrection a very i mean we still have yet to define what that is or if it even took place on january 6th right but I mean, it's not like, well, we don't like him because of the cut of his politics type thing. You would still need some kind of legal underpinning. So is it really honest or fair to say, well, we could see this happening in 50 states and everybody could kick him off the ballot for different reasons? So you'd have to look very carefully at the language of the U.S. Constitution. This is what the Supreme Court will do. And it's about that insurrection. Are you talking about an insurrection against the United States? If so, there's arguments that Trump did that, arguments that he didn't. Or are you talking about an insurrection against the Constitution when Trump tells Pence you can't certify those votes? Mm-hmm. That's exactly what Colorado is saying. So it will it will come down to definitions and how that provision Or you're supplied. pro-life, and that's an affront to reproductive rights, which should someone could interpret is an affront to the Constitution. Oh, you could you could say Joe Biden hasn't enforced immigration law, so that, therefore he's not enforcing the Constitution. He shouldn't be on the ballot. You see where this could be carried out. Yeah. Everyone will use this to their own advantage. Mm-hmm. Well, to Janie's point, we've got the January 5th deadline for Colorado. Uh, but interestingly, Trump has said we need that expedited. Yeah, but you can but slow your roll. Yeah, selective lawyering. Right. I've seen lawyers argue one thing in one court. They turn around representing another party. They argue something completely different. So it's all done based on what the advantage is to you. And that's exactly what Trump will be doing in this case. Do you see that uh, the Supreme Court will they'll be unanimous and, and, and possibly throw this out? Or do you see it being partisans? because of the balance of power on the Supreme Court. I don't know if it's partisan based on who appoints you, but there certainly is a different opinion on state power. Mm -hmm. And there are some cases right now, certain justices believe the states have more power to make decisions because they are sovereign, and other justices believe it's more of a federal authority. So it'll split along lines. We just don't know exactly which ones. Very quickly, Matthew, your favorite Christmas memory and what you're going to be doing for the holidays. 
Well, I'm from Frankenmuth originally. Oh, my oh, Lord. Yes. Christmas it's Christmas oh, every Christmas day. Town. Yes, oh, yes, Frankenmuth High School, class Bronner's. of 92. So when I think of Christmas, that's what I think of. My mother worked at Bronner's in Frankenmuth. <sighs> we were close with the Bronner's and their family. And Is Christmas dinner chicken? What else would it be? <laughs> Other than maybe some German sausage and beer. That's right. Right? Ah. Yes. And maybe some sauerkraut as well. Oh. Couldn't, yeah. couldn't, couldn't not have it. Yeah, have see, to have that. I'm German on my dad's, uh, Scottish and German on that side. So, yeah, sauerkraut was what we had with the turkey at Thanksgiving. I mean, that, oh, that's yeah, a we, staple. We have Blutwurst, which is blood sausage, which mm. I enjoy. But because your listeners might not, let's not go into the description <laughs> of how this is made. Well, we don't want to know how the sausage <laughs> is made. Right. No, because we, we talk about it every day with both politics and yeah. the legal exactly. provisions. So, yeah, we don't need to do that, mm-hmm. Matthew. Merry Christmas. Likewise. Merry Christmas, man. Have a great holiday. It will be a a wisdom-filled year, uh, and we we, uh, look forward to what you uh, will share with us. Happy to be back whenever you'd like. It is 713 on AM 760. Time for WJR Business Speed. A chance to look at the entrepreneurial tech and startup community here on WJR with our good friend Jeff Sloan from Startup Nation, who joins us live and in the flesh. Good right. morning, Jeff. I get to do my good morning guy, Lloyd and Jamie, <laughs> right here in person. Good to have you guys here. We did get a chance to talk in the last hour about the power of entrepreneurship, the ability to change lives. Well, so many different ways that people can become entrepreneurs. You don't have to start a business and do it full-time necessarily. You can do it part-time. And I've got one for you this morning. According to Hire Santa's 2023 report, how about this? Being a Santa on the side as a side hustle is real business. That's becoming an entrepreneur. The majority of Santa's 30% or so report earnings, annual earnings, doing their Santa gig, uh, between five dollars and $10,000. That reported in 2022. Holy cow. Not bad for a little side hustle. And, and all the other benefit that comes from it, of course, it's one thing to make some money from it, another to make money at something that makes people feel so good, that psychic return. It's public relations and marketing, It's too, unbelievable. It? Oh, it's beautiful. Love it. Love it. And who thought you could actually make some money being a Santa, but indeed you can. Many do it by the hour. Average job is around six hours, so that's how much time you got to put in. Hourly rates generally run between 100 and $200. Most Santas today... That's an hourly rate? That's an hourly rate. Oh. Big demand, big demand. Most Santas today, between the ages of 62 and 74, something great to do in your retirement. Costs between 500 and $1,500 to get yourself equipped the Santa outfit, so on. I don't now, need the pillow now, anymore. Now, right, That's, right. It's so sad. Well, well, listen to this. 52% of Santas don't even have to buy the fake beard because they've got one. They grow it. They take it so seriously. They've got their own beard. Many ways to become an entrepreneur in America, the land of opportunity. So I've got a question for yes. you. What is the key? So many people look at entrepreneurs and, and their success, and they say, I, I had an idea like that, or I, I could have done that. What is the key thing? to to your key advice to people that want to make that jump and take that leap because it's a leap of faith it is absolutely a leap of faith listen there's no doubt there's risk inherent in this but if you equip yourself well if you really vet the idea before you get in make sure you vet the idea it's one thing to fall in love with your own idea or to buy into your own hype you got to make sure you've got an idea that's of merit and then you got to make sure you're equipped make sure I really truly believe that many entrepreneurs can be made. That classic argument, are they born or are they made? If you equip yourself, study up like anything else you want to do well in life, mm-hmm. you got a great shot at success these days. This is indeed the land of opportunity. The resources are everywhere, and you can make it if you pick a great idea. Of course, if you work hard 
and you study up and make sure you're ready to really execute. All right, Jeff. Uh, for 2024, there's going to be a lot of people resolving that they want to be their own boss and also mm -hmm. take that leap of faith. We know Startup Nation is here for them uh, with help and advice and service if, uh, if they need it. Beautiful. Merry Christmas. Happy New Merry Year, Merry Christmas. Yeah. Happy New Year. Great to be with you guys as always. And when we come back, we're going to get on the couch. It is Thursday, Therapy Thursdays with Dr. Steve Craig next on JR Morning. So on this Thursday, of course, we would love to get on the couch with Dr. Steve Craig who uh, has given us so much good holiday-themed advice. Yes. Yeah. Psychologist and corporate coach for Craig Cons Counseling Services in Bloomfield Hills. Dr. Steve, Happy good holidays Happy to everybody. Uh, Merry Christmas. Uh, you, you celebrate it all in your family. That's right. We're, we, everything we can get, as many presents as possible. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. And as many traditions, and, and, and that requires, as we have been discussing, that requires some navigating. Yes, and yes. As, as does every marriage in terms of where you're going to spend the holidays and things like that, no matter what holiday you're we've, celebrating. We've done lots of holiday stuff here lately, and we have one more. Okay. All right. Do Lloyd's reading it, I see. Mm -hmm. Dr. Steve, my boyfriend just let me know unequivocally that he is not going to propose to me over the holidays, and I'm crushed by it. I told him I wanted to get engaged during the holidays, but he insists he's not, it's not going to happen. We are both 29 and have been dating for more than a year. He tells me he loves me, and I love him. I've waited so long for someone I truly love, and he tells me the same, and that I'm the best woman he's ever known. We've had a wonderful year together. We never argue, so what's the problem? Beginning to think that this, this is why he has gone on so long without getting married, but he says he needs more time to be sure. My girlfriends tell me I'm being played. They say he is commitment phobic, and if he loves you, what's the problem? So I don't know how to talk to him, and I'm afraid I'm going to be super disappointed come January, and that may destroy things. And I'm sure he's not tricking me. He's just not going to do it. How do I deal with finding a guy only to have him still not marry me once we're in love? I oh. think Jamie gets that one. Well, first of all, <laughs> the part where... <laughs> You know, we've waited so long. 29 is not that old. <laughs> so that's the first thing. I think you can't force anybody to do anything, that it won't be organic if you do it that way. And I think you need to talk about the real issues about your future and not just about getting a ring. I agree. I, and I think if, uh, I mean, did she ask him, you know, so are we going to get engaged on Christmas? You know, I don't think guys like that. I think, you know, guys know what they want when they want it, and they will – they will ask and they will do it, and I just kind of—I kind of feel like her a little bit that maybe it's some commitment issues there with him, or she may not just be the one. I—I'm unclear how long they've been together. Whether one year. It's just, just a little over a year. more than a year. Just over yeah, a year. I'm sorry, a little more than a year. I still think you give some grace to the guy and say, "Hey, I, I'm still navigating where I am in life." I, I think that in general, couples today wait too doggone long anyway for the perfect time. The perfect time is never the perfect time. We've had a pandemic. You're always going to be going through things in your professional life. You're always going to be going through different things individually. If you truly are, are committed with that person, you say, I can't live without them or I don't want to, mm -hmm. then just be a Nike. Don't just do it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> now here's the answer. Okay, the I, real the real answer. I was going to pull Jamie aside earlier and give her the answer so that she can <laughs> yeah, win. Because right. she always feels like she doesn't have <laughs> the right answer. That's wrong. not true. She's very intuitive. But I worked it out. Okay, I'm married. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, 
there's so many people who show up at my office, couples who are in love and they're getting married, and I say, well, why are you getting married? And they say, well, because we're in love. And I say, but, but why are you getting married? And well, because we're in love. And they don't seem to understand that love is great, but a marriage is an entirely different thing. It's a much bigger process. I, I always say being in love is more like you're just you're being on second base. You're halfway there. Um, after you realize you're in love, now you have to start doing, working through all of the things that make a marriage. So how do you deal with conflict? How do you argue together? How do you deal with loss, anger? It, that's everything that happens after you're in love is figuring out all the rest of that stuff. But people rush to, well, now that we're in love, we should get married. If so many divorces, not because people don't care for each other, but because they haven't figured out everything that occurs from second base to home. Mm -hmm. And she's very focused on, we're in love, so we should get married. Mm -hmm. And I just always think that's danger. You know, you're, you don't realize you're halfway there. It is an automatic. There's this right. idea that if, we were to if we're together this amount of time, then that's the next logical step. Yeah. Right. But you do have to apply logic to make sure that it is. I, I always tell people always tell people that the real work starts after you say I do. After you that's say true. I do. <laughs> and, and, and five years and ten to, years. Yeah. Right, 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 yeah. Exactly. Right. But it, and to your point, it even starts after you realize you're in love. Once you realize, uh-oh, now you better start figuring out, like I said, how to argue, how do you deal, how does this person deal with conflict and thing. I mean, that's the stuff that you should really be noticing. Oh, we really got along. Well, no. How did you deal with difficult things? This is a bad example, but the bachelor couples always break up because they might have that initial spark whenever right. they get engaged. Right. When real life happens for them, they always break up because they didn't talk about where are we going to live? Do our families mesh? Do we mesh? I, uh, in, in my relationship, I gotta be quick with this because I don't want it to be long, but when I started dating my wife, I had an old girlfriend and her heart was broken and she kept this as back during voice message. She kept leaving messages on my answering machine. Oh, let's talk it out, let's work it out, whatever. So I come home one day, my, who's my wife now, but she's just a girlfriend for a few months, we come home, I push play, and there's all these messages <laughs> from the ex-girlfriend. No. Can't we just get together? Can't we work an hour? And I'm like, oh, no, I'm so sorry. And my, she's not my wife, says, well, why aren't you going to lunch with her? And I'm like, what? And she says, you're no good to me until you're done with that. You feel bad about it. You feel guilty. It's still in the way. Go work that out. Mm. And I thought, what man, a I, she's a keeper. Mm -hmm. Because look at how she handles the conflict. Look at how she's going to handle all the problems in our relationship. And that won it right there because it wasn't just that we cared for each other. It was she showed me how she'd deal with conflict. I just have one follow-up. What if you are a woman who wants to get married and have kids and our biological clock is different because of, you know, we have to have the baby. What if this guy isn't it? Should she move on? Um, yeah, we don't know whether he's it or not. But the way you decide to move on is now you should spend the holidays figuring out how you deal with all these issues. Not just the holidays, but spend the next months figuring out this stuff, just not just love. Too. That's going to be that's, that's a big deal. Yeah. And you can't, you, you're right, she does have to move on if, if it doesn't happen relatively soon. She's 29, I don't know what the timing is on that. But it's not the amount of months that determine it, it's how you figure out how to deal with all that stuff from second to third. It sounds like everything else in their relationship is solid. Yes. So enjoy the relationship, enjoy the ride, and also just give it a little more time. A year is still. Ah, there's, yes. 
Yeah. There's a there's a lot of things that will that you will uh, learn experience about experience. Yeah. Learn about each other. It takes more than a year. Because you're not going to have a relationship without all kinds of disappointments and anger and problems, and you better figure out how to deal with that. Yeah. Okay. All right. More wisdom that we will Thank look you. forward to. Yeah. Jamie won. I'm pretty sure Jamie won. Ja Thank ja you for all your wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, Dr. Steve, best to you and your family. You guys, too. Uh, Thanks for the yes. breakfast here. It's great. Enjoy. And have a good year. We'll Thank see you, you next year. Thank you for being part of the we show. Will. Okay. And we, yeah, we, we, the, you, uh, you were our first regular. You know? Yeah. Oh, uh, really? you were the <laughs> You were the first guy we signed up to be a regular, and so we appreciate you being here. Well, People love it. You have that distinction. Oh, good. Yeah. 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 They love the scenarios and figuring it out in the car. When oh, we yeah. come back, going to be talking with Kathy Brook from Max Brook Realtors. Check the, the housing market these days and more next on JR Morning. Now, welcome to our Love Fest as we celebrate the holidays here on JR Morning. Jamie, Lloyd, and I, uh, so blessed uh, to have this uh, partnership and this uh, great platform and to have the opportunity to uh, inform and entertain you every morning, and we appreciate that uh, you're stopping by uh, virtually with us as we welcome in some of our favorite people, including uh, Terry Radigan, uh, who is Vice President of Global Communications and Corporate Giving for General Motors. Terry, good morning. Good morning to you, and Merry Christmas, everyone. Thanks Merry for Christmas. having me. And Merry Christmas. And Kathy Brook, Realtor with Max Brook Realtors, which is an institution here uh, in uh, in Birmingham. But, I mean, regionally, your footprint is huge, Kathy. Well, and, and thank you. God, I'm so grateful to be here. Thank you so much for having me. And for It'll those of you that don't morning. know it, she is the karaoke queen. You should hear <laughs> this woman sing. <laughs> You know, I, I, you know, I do just, have a mic on, so be I, careful. I, I know. And, and you've been known to go full acapella. So, yeah. <laughs> Don't Terry, get me started. Uh, right. you will be officially become a retiree tomorrow? That's true, Guy, yes. After 36 years, wonderful 36 years with General Motors, I have uh, decided to retire at the end of the year. So, yeah, effectively tomorrow will be my last day. Just well, wow, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, thanks thoughts so much. That, thoughts on your time there and, and what uh, you've Incredible. Done. And the, the, the impact through corporate giving. Yeah, that yeah that's been really rewarding. But the, the, uh, the company has been so good to me, and I'm so grateful to Mary and, and Mark for the many, many opportunities that they've provided me over the years. And then, as you point out, Lloyd, the last seven years to be able to give back. Uh, so really what I say is it, it's, it's a, an opportunity to work for a company I love in a city I love, mm -hmm. with people I love. So it doesn't get any better than that. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Uh, my question is for Kathy about optimism heading into the new year in the housing market. People are excited because maybe interest rates may get a little better. We, we've saw, we saw a correction from October. So we've had a full point in decrease in the interest rates. So what we're seeing is that people are asking me, you know, should we buy, should we sell? And absolutely, you have to get on with your life. You can't sit and just wait for life to happen. And so um, I'm very fortunate that I have a great group of women that work with me. And my buyer's agent, Helen Reasoner, and I are out there with buyers all the time. We're seeing, actually last year at this time, it was pretty tough. We didn't have a market, and now we have a market. We've been as busy as we've been in the last 35 years that I've been in business in December. So I'm looking at this first Q1, Q2 as being as good as any 
And so if you're looking to buy or sell, you really should get in the market because it's down to six and a half percent. It may go down in the fives, but you know, I'm also used to the, early, the 1970s when interest rates were 18, 19 percent. Right. And so, you know, we have to look at how good this it's really perspective. is. Perspective. It's right. all about perspective. So I got to right. tell you, I, I've owned two houses in my life. My first one was purchased through Max Brook. My last Thank one you was purchased through Max Brook. <laughs> oh my goodness. Myra Brown, who you may oh remember, a wonderful lady who we've lost, but yes. uh, was, yes. was our realtor on those. When you, when you the, the one thing too, uh, that we sometimes forget in this community is what great housing stock we have here. The great homes that we have. The, the middle class was built here with Henry Ford. Yes. True, but Single-family homes, this tradition of home ownership in the American dream was given birth here as well. But is there enough inventory? Well, that's our weakness, right? <laughs> I mean, this yeah. morning I looked at real confidence and said, zero listing. So, you know, that's the problem. People are, had refinanced down to 3%, which I totally understand. And they you don't want to get out of that right and now. And they don't want to do that right yeah. now. But, you know, there are still so many first-time home buyers that want to buy. We had a softening in the market due to millennials not wanting to buy, right? They were all renting. We thought that was the thing to do. We don't want grandma's china. We want minimalism in life. Well, they're changing their minds. And so they are out there and they want to buy. And so, Guy, to your point, you know, we have a market of first-time home buyers, 200,000 to 400,000. And we also have the luxury market. We are mm -hmm. so diversified here. And it's because of people like General Motors, you know, the companies like General Motors and Ford and the suppliers and, and, and professional, you know, businesses that we have. There's so much money in this town. And um, Helen and I were just talking about first-time home buyers. We're very fortunate to have the brand to go in and help these young people get into their homes. So that's the other thing that Are we the builders want. cooperating now? Because we know the pandemic really put a pause. To, I mean, materials were both unavailable but right. terribly high-priced. That's beginning to correct. Are, are you are you are we in the midst of a building boom a budding building boom we need more well they they want the land i will tell you i mean it's multiple bids for these builders and they have to come in with cash to buy these lots and we've seen vacant land go up 30 to 40 percent just in the last two to three years let alone the cost of, of supply what about so, the, the city of detroit and the homes that are in the city that that the the city administration are helping people to rehab these homes and 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 make them suitable for people to move into well they're getting expensive too i mean that's the thing i mean detroit is is definitely a place to invest but their pricing their house the house market there is starting to outprice you know the first-time home buyers as well because they're getting expensive wow. yeah uh terry we noticed you've got a, something a lapel pin there that uh has attracted our attention yeah yeah it's the nfl draft which is about 130 days away now guy and we are so excited i'm the chair of the detroit sports organizing corporation and um, we are working with visit detroit and with all of the uh well with obviously the city and the state and the county and it's just a whole detroit effort to make certain that this NFL draft, April 25 through 27, right in the heart of downtown, uh, comes off without a hitch. So it's really super exciting. I think it's really exciting because Nashville was like the most anyone had ever watched a draft, but with the passion of Detroit sports and the closeness of Detroit, uh, 
NFL cities, exactly. I think this could be even bigger. That's a great point, Jamie. You got Chicago and Pittsburgh and the rabid fans of, of all those those uh, cities. People will come from Canada. I was at last year's in Kansas City, which was wonderful. Ours is going to be way better. People well, are it, gonna, was off it, it was off-site. Yeah. Exactly. KC was off-site. Exactly. You got to be right in the heart of it, and uh, I can't wait. We're going to have hundreds of thousands of people downtown. And the mayor says, like, everybody will feel this, oh, yeah. uh, it, even in the neighborhoods. Absolutely. It's a free event, for one thing, so that's a great part of it. And um, you're right. We're, we're uh, working with the Strategic Neighborhood uh, Fund and, and those folks from around the city to make it very inclusive. It's very much like what happens with the Grand Prix, this first one last year that was on the streets of, of Detroit. And we brought the neighborhoods down, and, and we're doing the same thing. We're going to make this a very all-inclusive Detroit thing, and it's going to be the best NFL draft ever. And the best part is the Lions will not be picking soon exactly. off the top. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to, that's a good thing. Except we have to wait. That's yeah. a great point. <laughs> Terry, i got to ask you, you and I have survived a lot of auto shows together going back a couple decades. Absolutely. Um, if, 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 if Mary Barra said to you as you get ready to ride off into the sunset, yes, sir. Uh, Terry, you can take any car from the GM portfolio going back <laughs> from today, uh, 100 years back, what would you, what would you ask for? I, I would thank her to, for the uh, Corvette E-Ray, which is oh, just yeah. now out. It's an electrified Corvette. It's the fastest Corvette ever. And I would thank her for that. And I would it's take zero it. to oh, my God, in how many seconds? <laughs> <laughs> well, if she's listening. In less than three seconds. Yeah, yes. yeah it's amazing, that car. But. Anything. I, I'm, I've got to turn in my car tomorrow, which is a Cadillac CT5V, and I'm going to be tearing up. That is an absolutely gorgeous car, it, incredible performance, and um, so yeah, I'm going to I'm going to um, turn it in on the last possible day. That's okay. Sure. So Mary, find a way <laughs> to stick an E-ray in a very large stocking, <laughs> and uh, and give Terry a great send off. Thank you, guy. Terry, thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you all. Good Merry luck Christmas. In, in retirement. We know we're going to see you. In, of course. And, and uh, we're so happy you're going to be involved in the draft. It'll Thank be you. a great moment. Kathy, we're poised for liftoff. Yes. Right? Let's go 2024 and let's go Lions. Yes. yes. Let's go Lions. Let's go blue. Thanks to you both. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Thank you. Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas. Thank when you. we come back, um, we, we, we know we talk a lot about wise men, as we should this uh, Christmas season. Well, we're going to talk with one of our political wise men. Next on JR Morning. Excuse us if we're a little <laughs> back a little late getting on mic. It's uh, our wives are here, our yeah. husbands our family are here. here. The, the, yeah. All the family. We had Nolan Shout Finley out Mike just Dempsey. came in. <laughs> yeah, all our, our good friends and, and get a chance to reconnect with uh, people. And one of our favorites uh, joining us, Jason Rowe, who has been kind of our political godfather through these very interesting times. Jason, Merry Christmas and good morning. Well, good morning, everybody. I can't believe you made me shower at this hour and there's not mimosas <laughs> waiting for me when but I get there's here. There's mulled wine. I've yes. just discovered mulled wine. And yet your, 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 uh, your salt and pepper hair is perfect this morning, so uh, we'll assume you've the done this. The headset might times. mess it up. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just... Oh, my goodness. My question for Jason is this. Every day we're in more unprecedented, unchartered waters. Like, how do you keep up? Uh, drinking mimosas in the morning. In more wine. You know, I was teasing uh, Craig Mauger by a text a few weeks ago, you know, with the Detroit News, because he covers this stuff, I think, as much as anybody in the mainstream media. And in spite of what some Republicans think, I think he's a pretty fair journalist. But I told him he's one of the luckiest son-of-a-guns in journalism in America, 
uh, covering the Michigan Republican Party because if you don't have anything to write about today, just give it uh-huh. one day and there will be something insane. Uh, Michigan is, I think, in a lot of ways and has been, um, going back a few years now, the center of the political universe. It is a political wasteland for Republicans. It is kind of ground zero for the impact of Trump on American politics, and it'll be interesting to see if we can chart our way out of it. We're watching this with Nikki Haley right now, and I, I heard somebody yesterday that said something I thought was fascinating. They said, you know, she is vintage 2010-2014. That's when she was elected governor of South Carolina totally different Republican Party then mm. compared to now. I was talking to a gentleman that I think under um, more conventional times would be running for high office here in the state of Michigan just this morning. And he says, well, I have to find out which Republican Party is going to come forward a year or two from now, because I was asking him about his future. Where do you think that happens? By the way, on the 27th, I mean, Christina Caramo may find out her future with the Republican Party as chair. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I don't think the state of the organization, the Michigan Republican Party, matters as much as the political environment. Uh, I think, you know, I've worked in a lot of states in my life that have dysfunctional state parties. Um, you, you get around that by having really good candidates and raising a lot of money. Um, candidate quality matters. and. Last election, we didn't have candidate quality. I think Tudor Dixon was a fine retail politician, but she was inexperienced. She didn't know how to raise money, and she got walloped. Matthew DiPerno, you know, a bit kooky, not electable. Christina Caramo, same thing. And, you know, you look at the top of the ticket, Gretchen Whitmer won by 11 percentage points. There's no mystery how we lost the House, we lost the Senate, we lost, you know, all around the state when the top of the ticket is that much of a drag on your party? It is hard to overcome that. Regardless of what anyone thinks of Donald Trump, I think he's positioned to win Michigan. And at worst case scenario, he loses by one or two points. That's going to be good for Republican candidates down ballot because it's going to be a lot closer. And Republican candidates mm-hmm. tend to overperform Donald Trump in their races. So in Michigan, do the candidates that are running have to spend more time in that fundraising realm as opposed to the state helping them because they really don't have the the state GOP behind them? Yeah, the the party isn't really a fundraising operation. Um, You know, their job really is to help recruit good candidates and then fund operations like get out the vote, door knocking, a lot of uh, grassroots Mm -hmm. infrastructural stuff that it doesn't even matter who the candidate is. They are there to support the party and go out and do a lot of the grassroots stuff. But if you can't get money to do that, I mean, that, you know. That's a big impact. Now, you have the National Republican Congressional Committee that will bring money in for the congressional races. You have the National Republican Senatorial Committee that will come in on the Senate race. You've got the Republican State Leadership Committee, which will help on the state House races that are up this. And then you'll have the RNC that will come in and help the presidential. So you've got D.C.-based groups, but only the Michigan Republican Party can get all of those groups and the 85 different Republican organizations in the state at the same table to coordinate and communicate. And then you also have that communications infrastructure. The state party can reach every party leader in this state and in the country and get everyone working on the same page. You can't replicate that with a new organization that stands up and have the credibility or history and and, uh, infrastructure. You mentioned the National Republican Senatorial Committee. Supposedly behind the scenes on a national level, they are working hand in glove now with the Trump campaign to try to keep Trump from letting happen what happened in 22. Trying to steer him to finding candidates that are sufficiently MAGA but not crazy, that are that have electability, not a John Gibbs. 
for instance, not a Tudor Dixon who was so extreme on abortion that it was disqualifying. How do you think that's going to work? My question kind of mirrors his. How do you reach the younger voter? There still may be conservative young people, but they may not be all the way MAGA. Yeah. Uh, well, Joe Biden's helping with that uh, in a lot of ways, and, uh, and I'll come back to that. Listen, I think Steve Daines, who is the senator from Montana right. and the chairman of the senatorial committee, I think he probably struck a deal with the Trump campaign, like let's work together, not against each other. Uh, you know, when you think back to 22, there were four states uh, – Arizona, New Hampshire, Georgia, uh, I forget the fourth, in, in which Republicans should have won. And Donald Trump Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania mm -hmm. effectively chose the nominee, and we lost all of them. And, you know, he probably doesn't want that. I do think he's been much more disciplined. I attribute that to the leadership of the campaign, Chris LaCivita and Susie Wiles, who are, are in charge. So I think they're being much more strategic about how they approach these races. He hasn't issued a lot of endorsements. Um, so I do think there's a, a better situation there where he might not meddle in the primaries and, and the best candidates can perform on their own. When, you know, go to the youth vote. You know, conventional wisdom is younger generation is decidedly anti-Republican right now, but there was a poll that came out a couple weeks ago about Michigan from Epic MRA, which I consider a left-of-center uh, polling operation that showed, like, uh, the younger 18 to 34, like overwhelmingly supporting Trump versus Biden, which just doesn't compute, right? Mm -hmm. It's not that they love Donald Trump. It's that Biden has been such a disappointment, mostly on progressive issues where they don't think he's doing enough. But the reality is if you're a young person and about to start your career and you look at housing affordability, when you look at gas prices, grocery prices, opportunities, right. It's you could get cynical, and I think that's a big part of these younger voters looking out on the horizon and thinking my future might be a little screwed up with Joe Biden as president. Yeah, the New York Times is saying that the soft youth vote was because of Hamas. They're nuts. It's also because of the economy. I've got to ask you before you leave, and we're going to steal a minute here from the break. Um, in 1968, LBJ saw the handwriting on the wall. He'd lost the youth vote. He was eroding everywhere. He said, look, in the best interest of the party, I'm stepping aside. Why hasn't Joe Biden done that? I was talking to an insider yesterday who I sometimes don't believe what he tells me because it seems too fantastical. This might be. He tells me that this week the Clintons, the Obamas, Axelrod, Paul Begala, and James Carville are going to go have an intervention that was coordinated by Valerie Biden, the president's sister. Um, yes, day before yesterday, I saw a cry on on the news. Aides say Biden refuses to confront age. And I thought, wow, if... White House aides are leaking that kind of stuff out there. There's something afoot. That, my friend, tells me this. But what Biden's been doing that's alarming them is he's dropping by offices in the White House to have little chats and mentioning how he feels so much younger than his age. The problem is he's going into the same office more than one oh, time in the day okay. doing the same thing, underscoring that, that maybe yeah. the dementia is a little more advanced. Okay, so is that uh, what you were looking an for? Intervention at That's the White House. That's not what I thought you were going to say. No, <laughs> that is that is fantastical, uh, but extraordinarily interesting. Wow. Jason Rowe, uh, thanks so much. Thanks, we guys. appreciate your insights and, and your your uh, just being you. Just your overall game. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And we'll be back. We're live from Startup Nation. Well, you can call them movers and shakers. They're just good people and people that help to make this community better with their 
their talents and their commitment to, to moving Southeast Michigan forward. And, and we invite in two wonderful examples of that. Oakland County Executive David Coulter and the editorial page editor for the Detroit News, Nolan Finley. It's Thursdays with Nolan. Today. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's any day with Nolan. That's, yes. uh, <laughs> that's exactly right. Those are some festive britches, guys. I'll tell you yeah. That. Right? And, and you're the only man here that would use the word Bridges, bridges. <laughs> to, to, to describe He's them. old school, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was laughing. I mean, J- Lloyd's already complaining about the, the, the cool temperatures out there. I said, I'm going to take you over to Moose Jaw next door and get you some Long John. Give you the Long John. So yeah. You go totally old school on you. <laughs> David Coulter, interesting times in Oakland County. We've been focusing a lot on the Center of Innovation downtown. Yeah. Uh, but so much happening in, in Oakland County. Good things happening in Pontiac. And uh, just give us, uh, set yeah. the stage for 2024 for us. I, I'm optimistic, right? There's a lot of good things. By the way, uh, happy holidays. Merry Christmas to you all. You, look, you all look great, by the way. You're just amazing. I'm, I'm in gray and black. Your audience can't see, but I feel like you the Grinch. You could use a pop of color. I could use a pop of color, right? <laughs> Uh, um, but, yeah, just a lot of good stuff. You mentioned Pontiac. You know, we're going to move some employees back to downtown uh, right. Pontiac, uh, help with the foot traffic and the redevelopment. And, and my real goal was to, to hope that that would be a catalyst for other development to, to, to come to Pontiac, and it's coming to fruition. There are other developers who are, have projects that are going to get announced soon or are starting to get announced. Uh, I think you're going to re- really see an upswing. I think it's my old mayor hat from Ferndale. You know, I'm a mayor at heart, and, and we did a lot of redevelopment in Ferndale to help bring that back. And uh, I think Pontiac has so much potential. It's our county seat. And so I'm really excited about that and, and all sorts of things. So you're just going to be moving some buildings there, but in the, in the where it is now at 1200 there – still going to be functional on that property yeah, yeah people ask me that a lot we have yeah. five thousand employees so we're going to move about five to six hundred of them to downtown pontiac that leaves a lot of folks <laughs> yeah. we got we got 45 buildings on that campus uh, up there so plenty of people still there we're not deserting that location but yeah yeah i, I was just going to say i just watched bye 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 barry and i just passed the old Sil- silver dome site and yeah. wow has that changed for the better and it's just it's looking great i had a tour of that amazon facility there it's amazing i mean until you see it the robots that are they're going all over the place getting the packages putting them where they need to go but still thousands of people that work there and to their credit uh, more than half the people work there are from the city of Pontiac, which is really helpful. It's been a great economic driver for the city and paying taxes and all of that good stuff. So it's been a wonderful development there. Uh, even though I'm, I, you know, it's, I'm sad to lose yeah, of course, our teams. I saw the mayor the other day, uh, and I said, don't you, get a, don't you have some seats at, the, at Ford Field? And he said, yeah. And I said, well, you took both my teams. Do you, could you at least invite me down to a game? <laughs> So he said he would. So we'll see. <laughs> okay. Well, your timing is good because there's something to watch down there now. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, it's been kind of lean time. It's been great. <laughs> Nolan, uh, you know, every every day uh, it seems like we wear out the word unprecedented. I, didn't, Jamie absolutely. and I were just talking about that. And yet it is. Mm-hmm. Um, do, do the folks on the left, as they try to use every lever that they can to expunge Donald Trump, do they not understand if you don't kill him, it just makes him stronger? Well, and, you know, worse than that, what's going on here is, you know, we saw what happened in 2020 uh, in that election where, you know, we got to the end of it. You had a whole group of people who thought the game was rigged, 
who thought that the election was was stolen and you know you back up and uh, look at what happened during that election cycle there was a reason for it you had a lot of folks out there you know in the name of COVID changing the rules trying to game the system and so you you know it shouldn't have shocked anyone that people didn't trust the outcome and here we go again you know building that suspicion creating that environment where people aren't going to trust this this election because uh, you know got too many folks out there who try who are trying to subvert the democratic process let this thing go to the ballot let Joe Biden and uh, and Donald Trump and hopefully a, a an attractive third-party candidate yeah. fight it out and see who wins but don't try to game the system in advance that's how you destroy credibility and just and trust in the election and what David, about this trickles down to the clerks well, it sure, it sure, amount of it sure does, me. but I just have to say, so you guys are saying basically that Donald Trump is the Democrats' fault? No, it didn't say uh, that. Uh, you didn't, helped. Didn't say that. Uh, it, there we go. He, he's, he's, done, he's done this all on his own, and he has undermined our Democratic principles right down to our clerks. Clerks used to be the most boring uh, efficient job there could be. They just go ahead every day and do their job, count the ballots, do what they're supposed to do. And now they're under attack, like the people on our school boards are under attack, which used to be a pretty laid-back job. And, I mean, there's, you know, there is a, there, there's something going on in this country, and, and the former president has, has found a way to key into it and tune into it and to aggravate it. And I don't know how that's anybody's uh, fault but his. Do you agree that he should be off the ballot in Colorado? Oh, I'm not a lawyer. I don't. I don't know. I I agree that he should never be president again. I'll say that. Nolan. Well, then defeat him at the ballot box, and, and I think and that's, we will. I, you know, I think that would be uh, everyone or a lot of folks' goal. But yeah. you know, don't try to uh, go through all these machinations to deny people uh, their democratic choice. I mean, that is not saving democracy. That's undermining right. democracy. You know, I'm no big. Donald Trump fan. I hope uh, you know we'll have another choice uh, in this election cycle. I believe we will, and we may see again an unprecedented election if 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 that happens. But don't try to try to uh, subvert the democratic process before people get to the ballot box. It's not right. Yeah. Two mold yeah. wines, please, for Nolan and David. <laughs> uh, we'll wake you up. Yeah. Uh, just. Nolan, looking ahead, um, I mean, there's so many different parts of, of your universe that you keep an eye on. But what's what do you think is going to be the the maybe the defining issue of 2024 outside of the selection of president? Well, I mean, we still ha we we still got uh, uh, international issues we're dealing with. We've got the situation in Israel that's going to have to play out uh, over the next couple months. What's going to happen in the Ukraine? You know, a lot has been invested there to keep the Ukraine, Ukrainian people sort of free and, and uh, help them in this fight against Russia. Are we going to walk away from that in January and let that fall? Uh, yeah. You know, we, have, we still, I think the economy is still uncertain. There's a lot of, of, a lot of positives in the economy and a lot of warning signs. Which way is it going to go in the new year? Uh, it has surprised us, I think, over the last year. Uh, I think we enjoyed a, a, from an economic standpoint, much better year than we anticipated sure. mm -hmm. going in. So which way will it go in the new year? Well, Jamie looks at Ukraine, the Mideast. Um, 
uh, the volcano in Iceland and the Lions making the playoffs, and she's there convinced it's end of days. I literally asked that question. <laughs> there are floods. There are volcanoes. The Lions are good. War. Jamie, uh-oh. Yeah. Jamie, there, there have been times when I've had in this job when things have come up and I said, is it locust next? I mean, <laughs> That's what I'm saying. What, what, are what the are frogs we, raining down? Uh, yeah. yeah. You just got to be prepared for anything. And I think that is what the Bible says, you know, plague, pestilence, war, rumors of war, and Lions in the Super Bowl. No, oh, <laughs> it's it's there in print. It's okay, right I, there. I've got to ask you. This is for all the gift givers out there that maybe can't find the last minute gift. You are a bourbon connoisseur. For those lovers of bourbon, what would be your go-to as the ultimate gift for a bourbon lover? You know, I was in the um, liquor store yesterday, and two guys are standing there. You're trying to figure out there's there's uh, you know twenty thirty bottles in front of them at the uh, Wine Palace in Livonia, give plugs to my That's a good, good friend. Um, and, you know, I, I spotted a small box of Green River. It's just now getting to Michigan. Uh, it's terrific bourbon, 40 bucks. Uh, never go wrong with that. Okay. So Good to know. You're like a sommelier, but for bourbon. <laughs> yeah. The, I don't know what they call that, just uh, – uh, drunk or something. <laughs> <laughs> you, you had me at 40 bucks. <laughs> Nolan, David, uh, great success in 2024. Uh, and we appreciate what you contribute every day to the discussion of things in this community. Well, and, and congrats on the show. I don't know. How, it feels still relatively new to me, but you guys are doing an awesome job and a real help to the community. And so, Lloyd and Guy and, and can, Merry Jay, Christmas and thank you, Jamie. Thank you for all you do. We're, we're having a great time. Yeah, uh, yeah. As, and fun. we welcome everybody into the forum, and all voices are welcome. That's right. So thanks to you both. Eight sixteen. Oh, this this is a great conflagration of people from every. It really is. It's of really the community. Special, yes. I think. Business community, political community. Uh, you know, uh, no animosity here. Gentle disagreements. It's okay uh, to keep, disagree. Keeping in the Christmas spirit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we, uh, we've just uh, so enjoyed and appreciate the fact that they, uh, they came to our little soiree, uh, which was a little bit last minute, but there's a lot of places that everybody could be, and we just appreciate uh, so much that they're here and appreciate that you're joining us. Hopefully uh, all of the, the holiday preparations are well underway and aren't creating too much stress in your life. Uh, we, we're welcoming in two guys that they, they reduce our stress level. They just make life such a pleasant experience, every interaction that we have with them. Uh, Tony Michael, CEO of the Parade Company, uh, and George Blaha. The legend. The, yes. Blaha. the man, the myth, the, the legend, legend, the voice of the Detroit Pistons in Michigan State University football. And the two of us looked like we could coordinate this morning. <laughs> Same shirt, same red sweater. I'm wearing a green and white striped shirt, uh, and uh, both for Christmas and the Spartans. Darn right. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everybody, and great to be here. Thanks for the uh, scrambled eggs. Oh, okay. Glad, no problem. Glad you enjoyed your, your breakfast. Um, as you watch the news coming out of the portal, and uh, th- we've got a great new coach at uh, Michigan State. How are you feeling about what's happened so far? Understanding this is still very fluid. Well, Jonathan Smith hit the ground running, that's for sure. And I think they did a, an awesome job. First of all, they salvaged uh, the number one recruit in the class, Nick Marsh, an excellent wide receiver from River Rouge. 
Uh, they signed 18 kids, I believe, yesterday. The portal kids, they can't announce officially, but the word is that uh, Aiden Childs of Oregon State, who was the number one quarterback in the transfer portal, uh, will be in East Lansing in the fall. So uh, walking into uh, August practice anyway, and maybe even before for spring, uh, an excellent wide receiver and an excellent quarterback. There's a four-star offensive lineman from Hawaii and uh, some veteran uh, from the big veteran from the Big Ten linebacker from Wisconsin, wide out from Purdue. So I think they did a nice job. And God willing, no drama. Right. Yeah, right. and with the portal, you can turn like that. You can turn on a dime from for a team. So that's exciting for Michigan State. George, what's going on with our Pistons? <laughs> well, tonight, tonight could be the night. <laughs> <laughs> This is this is the one I've been looking toward. Okay. Uh, I they first of all, uh, and I know you want to talk to Tony too, but let's we'll finish the Pistons part of this. Uh, the uh, the Pistons played in Atlanta in their last outing. They played excellent basketball. They'd have won half the games against half the teams of the league the other night, but with Atlanta played about as well as they could play mm-hmm. to win by uh, I think four at their place. Six. Take that back. And uh, they seem to be moving in the right direction. Cade Cunningham is now uh, really in a zone, uh, the 40 points plus right, and yeah. everything else that he did the other night. Mm-hmm. And he's hung in there. He's a, he's a great guy and a great leader. Um, and Utah's so-so. And they're, <laughs> and they're coming to the Little Caesars. Now, they've won more games, obviously, than the Pistons. Everybody has. <laughs> but... Uh, yeah. They, I believe they had won three out of four before they lost the last two. They lost last night in Cleveland. You like getting a team on a back-to-back, but actually from Cleveland to Detroit in the air, it's like well, five minutes. Five minutes, yeah. So it's not really a, a terrible travel situation, but they did play last night. So, so the that, conditions may be right, is they, what you're saying. Darn okay. right. Uh, from your lips to the ears of the basketball <laughs> gods. I'm excited uh, about tonight. I think it's going to be a big night, and we're starting with a great morning. I love this crew, by the way. Good for you guys. Thank you. Oh, you got to be happy George. getting together. We enjoy each other. The three musketeers here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're, having, we're having too much fun. Tony Michaels coming off a wonderful parade. A great sponsor in Gardner White. Uh, you've got to be feeling good about 2024. Uh, it was a great year. We are so fortunate, as you guys know. And thank you, WJR, for all that you did for us that whole season. And uh, Gardner White just got a huge award, I was told, of furniture today, the the Bible of Furniture just said they're the finest furniture company in America to work for. Wow. And wow. I, I'm not surprised. I, that family, you know, with Rachel Stewart and her parents, Barb and Steve Tronstein, just amazing. And Rachel is just one of the bright lights in our city. She really is. And what a company. And we're so fortunate. We really are to have them as our presenting sponsor through 2031 which wow. is unheard of, and we're so proud. We really are. I do think that parade is a bright spot in this city. It's just so wonderful to look forward to every year, and nationally, too. People watch it all over. Yeah, I'll tell you what. Um, the viewership, uh, there were over a million people on Woodward this year. Uh, the viewership was unbelievable. There were 750,000 people just in this market. Then there were 1.7 streamed across America, wow. not counting the 185 cities that were syndicated in. So. It's just really going, but it's the support and it's it's the people who back us allow us to do what we do. The, the uh, fireworks as well and hobnobble gobble that was sold out. I mean, you guys still yeah. hobnobble. You had people on our waiting list. Yeah, we did. We had so many people on the waiting list. Thanks to Ford and what they do with us. And uh, the Ford fireworks are June 24th. We're already getting there, believe it or not. 
uh, we're just very fortunate. And, you know, you talk about the size of the parade, Jamie. Well, I, we believe it's the largest event in the, in the Midwest. We can't match it up with anything else. It's that big. So, George, before we let you go, we, we'd have to know that we lost Kenny Calvert yesterday, who was the PA voice of the Pistons for the Bad Boys days. You were in that building. Joe Dumar. Yes. <laughs> yes. And I'm not even acting like I can come anywhere close to what Kenny did but, uh, in that introduction. But that, everybody should remember that. For sure. Talk to me about the ambiance and the experience that, that Casey helped create for Pistons fans. I don't know if you can even uh, measure it. That great voice, uh, big-time positive vibes. Yes. Uh, and the fact that he had such a following in the city, a hip following, and, uh, and, and he was connected. He was connected with the team, connected with the fans, and everybody in the league uh, knew his voice. I'm, I'm stunned. I just found out last night that he passed away, and I, I just uh, sent a card and said, hey, we've got to get together and uh, have a lager and all of that. And uh, you, you don't know how, uh, how fleeting life could be sometimes. Yeah, Tony what? knew him too. Oh, boy, I'll tell you, you know, I was raised at Elias Brothers. You know, sure. we did all the concessions at the Silver Dome, and Kenny and I became wonderful friends over the years. I, I did remotes with him for the restaurant chain. He did voiceover work for us. We were texting up until probably a year and a half ago. Yeah. So always staying in contact like that. He's a dear, dear friend, and I got to know him through the whole Piston Silver Dome experience. And, in, you know, Elias Brothers, he was like one of our guys. Right. You know, and just love Kenny Calvert. I just love him. And yeah. what, what a loss. We all, and we all what a loss. Just sending a ton of love to Ann. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. What a neat lady. Yeah. yeah she, 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 they, they were, they were a, a, a great love story and a great couple together. Isn't yeah. that the truth? George, awesome couple. Tony. Good Merry luck, Christmas. George, tonight. Christmas. Happy New Year. <laughs> Thanks, yes. Jamie. It's going to be a victory. We'll be back. And at the end of the year, it's always a good time to take stock and at every Christmas season just to, uh, you know, just value the blessings that you have, especially Absolutely. when it comes to good friends and people in your community that are doing good things. Mm -hmm. And this, I mean, it's been a great collection of, of uh, friends and characters <laughs> and contributors <laughs> to this community uh, throughout the morning. And we're delighted you could be here with us. And we, I think we're at the beginning of a great, great tradition and we welcome in two dear friends uh, Macomb County Executive Mark Hackle uh, I start every summer with you and I'm starting winter with you today's the first day of winter <laughs> you said when you were describing everybody you said characters you looked over at me and then winked yeah so make me wonder. <laughs> well, there you go <laughs> made me well wonder. the shoe so. fit <laughs> and it's, it's not like the the lady sitting beside oh. you in in uh in in that department is a shrinking violet Debbie Dingle representative uh from Dearborn Nope, uh, nope, don't have Dearborn anymore. Oh, that's right. Oh, 
To That's Ann Arbor. Right. To Ann Arbor. And Down yeah. River. And Western Wayne. And Novi. Everything but Mark. Dark. Yeah. That's, yeah, because because these all of these uh, districts make so much sense geographically, don't <laughs> it'll they? Change. It'll change. It'll give it give it another year or two. It'll change. It's it's like the cat throws up on the map, and that's what you get. Um, good morning and Merry Christmas. Good morning. good morning to all three of you, and to my dear friend Mark. And it's great to be celebrating the holiday with all of you and reflecting on the past year, which I'm going to be really glad to say goodbye to. Yeah, it's been you know we've got troubles uh, in, in Ukraine and the Middle East, and we pray hard. For those places uh, we also pray for America these are troubled times too but 2024 holds a lot of promise as well you got Mound Road open Amen. oh man Amen. Merry, Christmas. Like, Merry Christmas to all oh my goodness what we a Christmas so, present that was so thankful I'm telling you what, a, what an incredible uh, I guess piece of infrastructure now uh, compared to what it was I mean it really yeah. is uh, a lot of potholes before there was right. yeah. that's all we heard about it's like I'm so <laughs> I'm so glad we don't have to hear about that we'll hear about it on a few other roads but hey and I, I tell you this if we can get Mound Road fixed without having any funding when he first started that project, $220 million. I always say this when we talk about fixing the damn road. There isn't a damn road or a damn bridge we can't fix if we have the funding. It's about the funding. And, uh, again, that's proof positive of it. It is probably going to be touted as one of the most uh, complex uh, road projects that was ever uh, done on a local road uh, project uh, level, but one that I think is going to be marveled throughout the entire country. So it is a transformative project. Uh, Congresswoman, when you get back to Washington, it's going to be very busy with the budget and with the aid and with so many things. What do you think it's done first? Well, uh, look, it's, I'm not going to tell you the last few months have been good for Washington or, quite frankly, the country. Uh, I continue to pray for peace in the Mideast. Uh, it, what is happening is tearing our communities apart. We have very significant communities that have both been Hamas committed a terrorist act and so many have had family members that have been hurt but our friends in Dearborn and uh, other Arab American Palestinians have lost numerous members of Gaza 85% of the people living in Gaza are no longer in their own homes you need to real diseases on the rise I, I hope that this administration which I've talked to and is working hard to get this resolved, to not have any more innocent people get humanitarian aid. I hope that happens and that uh, many of us in the Congress will continue to put pressure on for that to happen. But the reality is budget expires on the first half of it, this latter approach, expires on the 19th and the second half on February 2nd. And I'm very worried that we could close, shut the government down, which I think is the wrong way to go. Today I read on the way here that the speaker may be thinking about a continuing resolution for the rest of the year because the budget process is such a fiasco. Uh, half of me says good because we shouldn't shut the government down, but the other half of me becomes very worried because of the budget cuts that that would cause and it would hurt a lot of programs we care about. So um, I'm going to try to come home every weekend in January, but I think we could have, we could be some working some. What, what about the border? Are we going to? Are we going to come to something when it comes to the border? You know, the group of senators that are working on this are keeping very close and tight what they are working on. So I don't have the details, but I actually have talked to a number of them that are in these discussions. They're still there today. Schumer adjourned to Senate yesterday. They're going to keep working. And I think it's absolutely unforgivable that we did not do aid for Ukraine by the end of the year. Look, I'm, I, I said this on 
meet the press Sunday, too. We need a comprehensive immigration reform for decades. Mm -hmm. And I don't care if it's a Republican president or a Democratic president. It's hard, tough stuff. And because it's hard and tough, we don't get it done. Our jobs as elected officials is to do the tough job. Mm -hmm. This needs to get done. Our border is a mess for many different ways. And there are different issues connected to it. We need to protect our national security. Mark knows that as a former sheriff. But we've got fentanyl coming over. I, I a hundred pounds of ketamine seized at uh, the Metro Airport yesterday. Which is not the southern border, but it was here. It's a right. problem. People forget yeah. about our border. It's a problem. But we also have small businesses that are desperate for people to help. Caregiving in this country is in a crisis. There are people that are escaping horrific situations. Mm -hmm. It's complicated, but we got to address it. So I'm committed to helping to work with this group that's trying to get it done. Debbie and Mark. We, we live in a community that has a, it's a strong faith community. It's a very diverse faith community. This is the holy season. I know that you pray regularly. I do. I know you are a person of deep faith. Talk to me about the faith communities that you represent, because it's, we, we, we may fight, we may bicker, we may have all problems, but our faith community is so strong here. And I think that's an important thing to recognize as we wrap up the year. I don't agree with that. Uh, and I think that the interfaith groups that we have had in Southeast Michigan have been very strong in a source of strength, yes. support, compassion, and empathy. I think the last couple of months has tested even that. I remember 9-11, which was one of the most horrific times in our history, our nation's history, and the communities came together. The Jewish community and the Arab American Jewish community came together to make sure that the Arab American community, the Muslim community, did not feel That's any right. kickback. It's too raw right now, guy. I, I have spent time in, I was in a mosque yesterday. Unfortunately, it's something that was sad, a funeral of someone you know too, Mark. Uh, um, and I went to the synagogue the Sunday of the attack and have met with, I continue to meet with both communities regularly. Mm -hmm. I'm hoping that we will be able to draw on the strength of the interfaith community. There was an interfaith event in Dearborn that uh, Monday that I, I was not, I didn't know about or might have gone. But this interfaith community has always been a source of strength for all of us, for being there when times were tough, for helping people in times of need. And we need to really, in this, as we go into this holiday season, it's not a happy one for many people, but you want for people peace and some serenity and that whatever your faith that the spirit that you rely on gives you comfort reach into the source of your faith and the tenets of your faith and then practice them in spite of the external influences that are you know, st you know, steering us in any number of destructive directions mark give me just a quick uh profile of 2024 in Macomb County. Well, again, I, I can't help but talk about this conversation. You know, when we look at what's going on at the national level, people locally are saying, you know what, we get it. We understand the faith. We understand people and their prayers. But our job is to figure out how do we fix the problems. And the reality is we're not fixing the problem when it comes to that border. There's a continued conversation. Right wants to blame the left. Left wants to blame the right. But the people, I'm just going to say it from Macomb County, are saying we need to figure out how do we close the borders so we don't have these problems with people coming across illegally. We're spending too much money overseas that should be otherwise better spent locally to figure out our problems that we're seeing back at home. And so, you know, I continue to hear that. I mean, the complaints we're hearing that's happening 
in Washington, whether it's this president or next president, is we need to start figuring out how do we solve America's problems as opposed to continuing to try to figure out how do we solve everyone else's problems because we've got a lot and we need to deal with it. You mentioned the issues of you know drugs coming across the borders. There's a way of solving the problem, but we need to focus our attention, get in the aisle, quit reaching across the aisle to solve the problems. That's what people have an expectation of when it comes to public officials. And again, we all want to continue to pray and hope for you know, a better day, but the reality is we're put in a position elected by the people to solve these problems, but yet we want to continue to bicker and blame the other side. And, uh, you know, it's, it's time to put that to, to rest and really solve America's problems. But, Mark, you do have a significant Ukrainian population in Macomb County that has, that has come to me begging and desperate for aid to Ukraine. Mm -hmm. Would I, you agree? I get it, but I have a significant population in Macomb County saying we need to do something about the borders. Oh, we need to do something about infrastructure. We need to do something about many other but issues we that we're ignoring. Both. Our national yeah. security requires Amen. international attention and domestic don't, attention. I don't disagree. And we're, uh, we're blessed to have your leadership and your problem-solving skills at both levels and to continue building those bridges. We both work across the aisle. All right. Debbie Dingle, Mark Hackle. Happy holidays. Thanks, Merry guys. Christmas. Love to you both. Happy New Year. Welcome back to uh, Startup Nation. Uh, the uh, guests are enjoying this lovely uh, buffet that was put out for us. We also need to give a thank you to uh, our buddy Mitch Album, who uh, provided the uh, delicious bag of his brown bag popcorn for the, uh, some of the gift bags that we have here. And uh, as you know, all the profits from brown bag popcorn go to Mitch's Say Detroit Charities. And uh, so support the cause. i, I got to tell you, that's a, that's a gift that keeps on giving, that tin of popcorn, especially uh, with all the sports events we've got coming up here between the Michigan game and uh, the, with the Lions is in store there. You can go to brownbagpopcorn.com and get started. It makes for a great last-minute gift. Or if you just want to watch a Christmas movie during the holidays. There you Grab go. some brown bag popcorn. You know what? I had to get a smaller <laughs> gift for my daycare provider, and I thought, you know what? Brown bag popcorn. There it gives go. back, and it gives something to her. Yeah. Exactly. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know about you, but the way the line's been playing, I get to that nervous eating, and I'm just shoveling it in by the handful. I wonder if people, like, are gaining weight watching this. <laughs> Maybe in other years, guys, I'm less nervous. Lomas uh, isn't nervous. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> The big man is here, Lomas Brown, voice of uh, color analyst for the Detroit Lions and also uh, host of WJR Sports Wrap every yes. night at 6. Good morning. Hey, good morning, man. That was a mouthful, huh? I'm doing a lot of things now. You are kind of, your resume is yeah. getting long, yeah. very long. And I can tell when, you, when you've been there, we go in the studio, and that microphone is way oh, up there yeah. because that's <laughs> right. we, we know Lomas has been here. Lomas is the only guy in this station that doesn't sit down on the job. Yes. He, he stands up. And he's tall anyway. Yeah. So it's yeah. like touching the ceiling. I, I expected to be lower that you were in a three-point. Yeah. Well, well, God, look. So I get teased a lot because I got long legs and a short torso. So if me and you are sitting next to each other, you actually are probably taller than me sitting down. No, you're talking to a yeah. guy that for probably the better part of 20 years, I sat on a phone book next to Doris Bisco. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm that short-waisted guy. Oh, my goodness. You uh, you know, we have, a, we, have a little, uh, we have a little cut on our audio board that we just keep handy. Of Lomas Brown saying they, they suck. suck. Yeah, they, they, they suck. <laughs> Just for those 
those moments. For the record, he's talking about the Chicago Bears. Yes, That's right. Yes. Yeah. At the time, who, who, you know, they must have heard you and gotten mighty PO'd oh because they got better. You are so right about that. They've been playing better. I'm glad we took care of business the first game, not so much the second game. And now the Lions have won, uh, won another game, so now we get to go to Minnesota and take care of business, try to win the division. For the uh, first time oh, since, yeah. since 1993. Oh, Jamie, that seems so long ago. I was a young, I was a young spry fella running around on the Silver Dome field back in the 90s. And we got yeah. Minnesota twice, so we need to. Yes, we do. The first game. We, we need, need to get to them. Take. That's yes, right. Absolutely. Talk about that. I mean, obviously, everybody's scouted. You've looked, they've looked at film. They feel like they know these guys. But when they play you back-to-back, what do you do to keep that offense fresh so that they, they don't feel like they know all your yeah, tricks? Yeah, so well, the first thing you would do is probably you wouldn't show them everything. So your playbook it wouldn't be as open as, 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 as it normally is, especially if you know you're going to face these guys in another week or so. So you don't show them everything. And then some teams, they show you different looks and everything. So you can um, – so they can put something else on your plate. They try to put as much on your plate as you can, show you different formations that they may not use just so you'll have different things to study about. So it's, it's little tricks to the game, but you don't want to show them everything, especially, like I say, when you're going to face these guys in, like, two weeks. All right. Yes. Little tricks of the trade. Little tricks <laughs> of the trade. Hey, y'all got me we, sitting next to the man. I Hill, know. Man. Hey, no, oh no, 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 no. Hey, Merry Christmas to me. Hey, Look, I'm sitting next to one of my heroes. It's outstanding. Yes. Outstanding. Good to see you. Congressman John good. James yes, in the sir. house literally just slid into home. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Man. Hey, you know what? You're working for the people. Working for the people. It's yeah. an honor. Yeah. You were able to escape Washington, and, and probably the way things are going right now, that was that's a good thing. Fresh <laughs> what, start come 24. That's right. Right. Well, you know, when it seems like everything's on fire, send firefighters. Send people who understand what chaos looks like and who can bring order to chaos. There you go. It's an honor to serve. Though sometimes it's embarrassing who I serve with. <laughs> you know what? There's always yeah. a silver lining. And, and, and this is where we need people who understand that you got to put people before politics and are willing to work hard and execute. You were saying that you're, while you're here, you're really into engaging your district and everything you're doing. For them. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so uh, just in this freshman year, uh, getting three bills passed, uh, looking at uh, mental health, substance abuse, and suicide, uh, looking at economic things like keeping our Sioux locks open and protected, uh, fighting hard to get fighter mission to selfish to make sure that we don't go to a dark, down a dark, dark path uh, for our economy and, uh, and our national security, uh, and, and also uh, making sure that we have accountability in our universities to make sure we tamp down on anti-Semitism and also our intellectual property theft that's going over to our adversaries, Russia, China, North Korea. So 15% of the bills passed at the U.S. House came from you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, you know what? Uh, well, we work hard. I have a phenomenal team, and I have a great district who uh, lets me know how they feel. I'll tell you what. And one thing, you're, you, you don't bite your tongue when it comes to the other side of the aisle or your own side of yeah, the Yeah, no, aisle. both parties suck. Both parties have failed the American <laughs> people. No, I mean, you, you look, at, and we're torn apart by this, uh, uh, this, this populist extremism, and, uh, and people are, are, the activists have their role. But when you get to, you have to govern. You have to put the people first. You have to put priorities first to move all of us forward. You know, I won by only 1,600 votes, but I have an obligation, even though I won by a .5, I'm sorry, by half a percent, I have an obligation to represent 100% of my district yeah. to the best of my ability. So, I mean, that, that's just you get duty, honor, country in the military. You understand you have to take care of your customers and your employees when you're in business, and that's what I'm doing in Washington. 
Is there a, a happy holiday message you could give to your people? Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, I, I want to say thank you. We express gratitude for the uh, my Savior Jesus Christ, uh, who was born on Christmas uh, and, and died on on Easter, uh, died on Good Friday, rose on Easter uh, to save me from my sins. And uh, we celebrate that. And I'm so grateful. And I'm grateful to the people of the 10th Congressional District uh, for giving me a shot. And I hope that every action that I put forward uh, brings glory to God and brings hope to the people in my district in the state of Michigan. Right on. That's Amen. Awesome. John James, uh, we're blessed to have your leadership. Yeah. Lomas, yeah. good friend, uh, now a now member of the family. Yeah. Yes, uh, sir. That, that was a big moment in 23 to have you join us uh, more than just in an unofficial capacity. Yeah, it's been so, great. It's been a ride, a nice ride. And the ride's just the been ride a good continues. ride. The ride continues. Yeah. I like yeah. it. And it's going to be a roller coaster perhaps on Christmas <laughs> yeah. Eve for all of his lions. Yes. Yeah. Gentlemen, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Happy Merry New Christ. Year. Thank you so much. We'll be back at 6 tomorrow. Until then, take care. Uh, what a wonderful day. This oh, is great. Enjoyed it all. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow. All Talk is next. This is the great voice of the Great Lakes, 760 WJR, Detroit, a cumulus.